A reading from Mark 11, 1-7. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. It occurred to me that there are so many dimensions to this um, as a story. Uh, On one dimension, it is just a narrative of Jesus uh, asking his followers to go do something for him. On another level, uh, it's a story of Jesus asking his followers to do something uh, for him that he explains to them before it happens something that's going to happen. So there's a, a, I don't know if you call it a spiritual, but there's a a different dimension to that because oftentimes we have a hard time predicting. You do something, we have a very hard time predicting exactly what it's going to be. And then on another dimension, uh, this is a fulfillment of a prophecy that comes out of Zechariah, which is one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. He's not minor because of what he said, he's minor because in the old days it was short, relatively short. And so if you go to the ninth chapter and the ninth verse, which we won't read here, uh, this is more or less prophesied by a prophet in the Old Testament that this is going to happen. And here we are. It's happening. Yeah, there's several layers of recognition here. You have a prophet hundred years before announcing something that's going to come down the road. There's Jesus hearing, obviously, from the Holy Spirit to be able to project this out because he doesn't know everything. He's not omniscient. That's not a part of his um, baggage of being God that he's carrying with him at this point. So there's a revelation that comes from the Holy Spirit for him to anticipate that. And then there's this level of trust of his disciples to go do it. You can imagine how risky this might feel, going and simply untying a colt someplace. And then somewhere along the line that God is giving... uh, a sense of peace or advanced knowledge to the people that own the cult, that they release it, that they're willing to participate with such uh, little information. And so you see God making his way known over centuries, over people, and they're responding in in faith. Yeah, where you expect opposition, where especially in in an issue of ownership, uh, if somebody would come to my house, I didn't know, and I said, I need your car. My, uh, I mean, I would have been very reluctant to offer up my car because it's an investment, it's it's something I own, and and a colt was a very valuable animal, Uh, and yet they give way, and it's it's like doors mysteriously opening that shouldn't be opening. Yeah, and so you get to see the sovereign hand of God over all of life, uh, particularly at this moment in the story? Uh, you know, maybe this is the wrong term, but I see, uh, I, I think of the word infusion, that God is infusing himself into a natural setting as he uh, does throughout the Bible, but he does it 
not all the time. And so he's infusing himself into the scene. And so doors that can't open, that are impossible to open, do open. And cults become available that would never have been available.